When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Punditries, because we are going to slam those into your ear holes here today. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back to host the latest episode of The Winkly, and I am joined here, as I am just about every Tuesday, by my very good, ultra good, super good, the uh, Tommy to my Jason, it mm. is Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. I like that. I get to be the Green Ranger. I get to be the White Ranger. This yeah, is nice. I gave you good. the I gave you the better storylines. And the, for those that <laughs> for those that were not around in '97, uh, that was a power a rigid OG Power Rangers comment right there. I get to go from being evil to being good. This is like some pro wrestling ish right here. Oh, total. I, I watched. Uh, I've started watching that the Toys That Made Us series on Netflix. Have you seen this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 I just got into it. I watched the the Power Rangers episode. And I'm gonna look. We got a ton of news to get here today. But I feel I feel cheated when it comes to Power Rangers right now, Michael, because I had no idea that the the American kids and the uh, the stunt people and the footage were completely separate. Like the the stuff that was <laughs> at the school was filmed in America. The other stuff was just bought and had already aired in Japan, and they like spliced it together with these uh, little bits from America. I thought it was all one fluid show. I didn't know that there were kids in Japan that had already seen all of this and had already bought their toys and they were called different things. It upset me. I don't know. Did you just find this out recently? Is this a recent revelation for you? I found this out like five days ago and I was (laughs) very upset. So it's so cheap to to run and I'm going to relate it back to wrestling here. Like if you weren't a power Rangers fan, one of the things I love looking back on it now is where my power Rangers fandom and pro wrestling fandom overlap. Mm. Like we just had the retirement of Jushin Thunder Liger last weekend at wrestle kingdom. And like that, the way he looks, his style, him coming up in WCW around that time. Part of the reason I was attracted to that character is because he looked like a real life Power Ranger. Right, exactly. Yes, do Power. That's the thing is, Power Rangers. They're they're like a warm spot in my soul. And anyway, I got to get off this soapbox. I'm going to rant for way too long. We're going to do a separate podcast someday <laughs> about Power Rangers. Sure, I'm down. Uh, all right. Uh, we got a lot to get to here today. Before we get to the interviews, before we get to the news of the day, uh, I do want to start the show off by uh, sending out our condolences to the family and friends of Laparca, who passed away uh, this past weekend at the age of 55. Uh, he was injured doing a suicide dive uh, back in October. He did not recover. Uh, he was uh, – for the now, to clear up a little confusion here um, – the Laparca that just passed away was not the WCW cruiserweight Laparca that a lot of people are familiar with. That man is now known as LA Park, and he wrestles in MLW and elsewhere. Laparca uh, took the Lepar- the current Laparca, the one that just passed away. He took that name uh, in the early 2000s when there was like a trademark dispute between the the original Laparca and AAA. But he's been uh, carrying that flag for almost 20 years here now, and was uh, beloved down in AAA in Mexico and, and worked before that uh, under another name, I believe. So. Uh, anyway, we wanted to send out. I just wanted to clear that up because I have got a lot of people that were very confused about that or sharing the wrong photos and things of that nature. 
there there's the story of of, of the passing and the man who who uh, who it is. Uh, so there you go. Um, all so right. Fortunate, and it just yeah. as a reminder, subtle reminder here, guys. I think we take for granted how talented these guys are and how great they make these moves look. But even the simplest thing, I don't think that suicide dive is simple, but even the, a move that happens almost every night on a wrestling show and a lot of times in multiple matches can turn very dangerous with just the slightest miscalculation here. So uh, very unfortunate to hear this and a reminder of what these guys put on the line every night to entertain us. Yes. Um, uh, and also here, before we get to uh, the interviews and the news of the day, I did promise uh, last Thursday on the show we were going to have an announcement uh, on Monday um, that was going to be up on the site before Raw. Uh, and then on Twitter last night, I was like, I think I could get it done to announce here today on the show. Uh, I'd like to say uh, I blew it, uh, completely blew it. Um, the uh, the announcement, I guess I, can, I, I don't want to give the whole cart away here. I'll hold a couple cards back. Uh, but to satiate you and let you know what's going on, uh, the Winkly is going to be uh, expanding to five days a week. Uh, it's also going to have a new name. We'll be renaming it here. Uh, and we will have some new co-hosts. Um, mm. The issue is that uh, when I had to go, and it's also going to get its own RSS feed, so if we want to do specials or bonus things and not clutter the already existing uh, Wrestling Inc. audio channel, which has all the other great shows that air uh, after uh, major events and uh, also feature news chatter, um, the RSS feed I had to submit, I did not, uh, I, it's been a couple years since I had to like on my own launch a feed. Uh, it's taking longer to, uh, get all of that stuff syncing up on iTunes and it should be done here by Monday. It should be an issue. Um, but, and it may even be done before that. So if you really want to get ambitious and, and poke around and try to put the pieces together on your own, go ahead. Um, but, uh, by Monday, this should all be settled here and we'll have a couple other, uh, things that I can attach to that and more news about it. And, um, we're going to be doing more. More content. Bottom this line. This is a spot where you wish me. You say this for the end of the show, or right now, where you wish me the best in my future endeavors. You're part, you already know you're part of the new thing. <laughs> so shut up. You already know you're in. Don't tease these people like I'm firing you. Uh, all Either right. Submissions just went up or down depending on how you feel about things. Uh, I'm, I am. I'm super excited. I've been put, I've been working on this for like a couple months now to make sure we did it right. And uh, yeah, other than the fact that I botched the submission uh, or or was unprepared, I suppose uh, we'll be good to go here very shortly. And this uh, is awesome, dude. Like yeah. I just this. This is uh, number one. It's awesome because our Tuesday run sheets now won't be a million pages long, but also just in general, like a daily news. There's enough happening in the wrestling world show sure. or wrestling world where we can have a daily news show to discuss and deep dive into all of these things. And you have a very diverse cast of voices joining us here, which I'm super excited about as well. So yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. very, very, uh, very great, awesome, diverse group of people joining the show. Absolutely, and um, you know, I've been doing two a day interviews here on the show pretty regularly. Last week we did one while I was catching up from the holidays. Uh, but we'll be able to to, uh, to to do one a day here, five days a week, hoping to do a, a fresh bit of audio interview uh, to basically keep the show formatted the way it is. Uh, so you'll be able to more regularly uh, enjoy those, not two back-to-back, just one at a day, a little bit shorter news segment, trying to get it down to make this your your lunch hour special here. Less, Definitely less than an hour. I wanted the show, I really would like the show to between 30 and 45 minutes. That'd be my goal. Um, the Winkly is dying. Long live the Winkly. Yes, long live the Winkly. So we are kind of on the way out here with the Winkly name. That is going away. We will have a new name. Um, but yeah, a lot, lot of stuff to get to here. So we're going to table that for now. We're going we're gonna to revisit this next week and uh, onward and upward. And thank you all for coming on the ride so far. Um, 
All right. Uh, with that, uh, I said uh, we are we have been doing two interviews a day. We're going to be doing two today as well. Uh, first of all, right after we talk to the news of the day here on the show, uh, we're going to hear from the uh, El Presidente of Wrestling Inc. Raj Geary sat down uh, with AEW's DDP. I guess AEW's DDP because he's got his first match since 2005 tomorrow night on AEW Dynamite. So we're going to hear from uh, Dallas today. Raj went out and got that one. Uh, and then right after that, of course, uh, I was in Dallas uh, this past weekend uh, Saturday, Sunday through Monday afternoon, um, covering MLW's uh, Zero Hour and Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill, which we will get to here in just a little bit. Um, but as part of that, I was a part of all the pre-show uh, pressers and the post-show pressers. Uh, and so we're going to be running uh, audio over the next two weeks because I have so much of this content here. And, and if you like any of the stuff from the pre and post uh, Hard to Kill, it's up we're on the YouTube channel as well. The video format is. You can watch it. You can share it there as well. Uh, but today we're going to play uh, what was easily... Uh, the most trafficked of any of the bits of audio I got from pre or post. Uh, this came from the uh, Knockouts champion, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, it is her post-show presser. It's only about two minutes long. So the DDP interview is nice and meaty. It's about 45 minutes. Uh, but this is very short. But, uh, of course, the reason this Taya Valkyrie interview did so well is because uh, I asked Taya, because uh, she had just retained the Knockouts title over ODB and Jordan Grace in a great triple threat match. Uh, I asked Taya... Uh, you know, how she felt as the definitive face of the of the knockouts division and the women of Impact Wrestling, how she felt about the controversy around Tessa Blanchard that had flared up in the past 36 hours. And you're going to get to hear that response here just a little bit on the show. Uh, and, and so I guess that's where we get to the news you can use, news to leave a bruise. I didn't realize what a great pivot that would be, Michael. Oh, I thought that was a complete setup there. I was like, damn, this no, is good. No, sometimes the run sheet, it just it works in mysterious ways. Uh, so, Tessa, everybody calls it, first of all, Tessagate. Too simple? <laughs> Too simple? Like, everything's got to be something Spygate, right? Whatever. Yeah. Inflategate. Tessagate. Just be a little bit more creative, all right? Yeah. Uh, Tessa the controversy <laughs> surrounding Tessa. Tessa. How about a full title here? Okay, the controversy around Tessa. I will short it to Tessagate for the title because that's everyone's calling it. But I'm just saying, it is always gate now. Maybe we can get yes. more creative. So Tessa Blanchard, uh, she tweeted out the following. Uh, this was on Saturday morning. If I remember the timestamp, it's 10.42 a.m. She says, hey, women, try, try supporting one another. Cool things happen. Well, things then took a bit of a turn when NXT superstar Chelsea Green responded. You've constantly or you've consistently put down, bullied, and belittled countless female coworkers, including me. Is that support? Uh, to wit, uh, NWA World's women's ch World Women's Champion Allison Kay commented, Remember when you spat in a black woman's face and called her the N-word in Japan? Was that you, quote-unquote, supporting women? The audacity of this tweet. To uh, wit, uh, Chelsea Green responded to Kay with a gift that said, I remember that. At this point, Priscilla Kelly from MLW, she decided to jump in and added the conversation. Remember publicly putting me down on Twitter last year for something that didn't involve you whatsoever, then continuing to drag my name to other people for it? Pepperidge Farm remembers. That's a family guy <laughs> joke. You should probably delete this tweet. Casey Michael, who runs the Squared Circle Sirens, and by the way, Squared Circle Sirens, they've been a regular source on, on my daily shows for, for a couple of years now. Very reliable outlet. Casey, uh, he runs that. He, he commented on another incident Blanchard had with Renee Michelle, who's appeared on WWE TV with her husband, Drake Maverick, and was involved in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, Casey said she bullied Renee Michelle at an indie show, and they had a tussle of some sort. I figure people involved in it would know more details. 
So Blanchard uh, responded to Chelsea Green's bully comment saying, I've never been anything but kind to you. I've dealt with mean girls since I started. Not saying I'm a saint. Hell, I've had my ups and downs, and I've made silly decisions, such as life. You have zero merit in your comments. Instead, putting me down here for a little clout. You've got my number. In regards to Kay's story, um, pers- or, and, uh, Allison Kay, who, uh, of course, accused her of spitting in this woman's face and, and calling her the N-word, uh, Blanchard wrote, not true. That's my statement and the most attention. I'll give it because of how actually ridiculous it is. Now, at this point, Puerto Rican wrestler uh, Black Rose has since responded, uh, thanking Kane Green, uh, while also saying the story happened in 2017. Now, uh, it, Rosa was basically brought up to be the, the woman that Tessa allegedly spit in the face of and used this term towards. Uh, uh, La Rosa says, uh, Sienna... And uh, Chelsea Green, thank you so much. That story, yes, that's happened. Uh, that happens on Japan 2017. If Tessa Blanchard do not remember it, can I? I am not a mean girl with any coworkers around the world. Be kind of, uh, be kind of racist is not ridiculous. Is a sickness. So obviously something I think lost in translation there. Uh, Rosa worked for Stardom in 2015 and 2017. Blanchard also worked for Stardom in 2016 and 2017. So 2017 would be seemingly the time this would happen. Uh, La Rosa, by the way, has released a Facebook video since this discussing more in depth how she uh, really doesn't like to be somebody that carries these personal issues and grudges. She kind of shut this out. She was very surprised by all the tweets. She was very heartened by it. She didn't seem to dispute any of the facts of it. Um, but but that's the gist of the video if you'd, if you'd like to go check that out. Now, additional wrestlers have chimed in, including NXT's NXT UK's uh, Isa Dawn writing to Blanchard as someone who experienced your bullying firsthand, received regular verbal abuse, was spat on, another spitter, I guess, had rumors spread about me, dealt with multiple attempts by you to blacklist me from other companies, plus more. I just pray you now follow your own advice. Now, Impact Wrestling star Moose was in support of Blanchard writing to both Kay and Green. I guess you and Chelsea are absolute angels with a clean past. The timing of these tweets from you guys shows a lot about your characters. Now, I don't have another run sheet here, but Joey Mercury, during the pre-hard-to-kill pressers, uh, actually brought up how he has a lot of respect for Tessa and sees her as somebody who's very influential in uh, bringing intergender wrestling and women forward in the business. He made those comments uh, literally three or four hours after this whole thing had started up, and he was one of the people on the ramp at the end of uh, Hard to hard to Kill um, supporting Tessa, which we'll get to here in just a second. So, <sighs> Michael, <laughs> Tessagate, the controversy surrounding Tessa Blanchard. I have to take a drink of water right now. We, are, we have about 30% of this story left to go, and then we can, we can get back to it. Well, this is just a, a I little know, bit of insanity it, here. It's like a radio drama. All right, here we go. Okay, can I? I would have. I would have finished it so we can get into it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I thought you were getting some water there. Go ahead. I did. I quickly sipped it. I was like a little bird there. All right. What is this? It's just like we need. uh, What's your face from cereal? Cereal in here too. And this is the rest of the. Okay. AEW's Big Swole tweeted the following. So since we telling stories, Big Swole's turn. I won't speak on all the other stories, but the one about La Rosa, I know personally. This past year at WrestleCade, I spoke to her about this and about hashing it out with Tessa. I spoke to Tessa as well after talking with La Rosa, and I decided it needed to be dealt with. A conversation needed to happen because this was getting intense over the years. As a black woman, this sickened me that this happened to a friend of mine. We have been dealing with this since it happened. It just now, it's just now finding light on social media. 
people are entitled to deal with this how they want. I just want the world to know the last part of the story. Uh, heavy metal wrestling that uh, they're doing a show called Cease and Destroy on January 24th. Blanchard was scheduled to face Roxy at this event Sunday morning, uh, hours before Tessa was supposed to def- uh, take on Sammy Callahan for the Impact World Championship. That promotion put out a press release uh, informing fans uh, that she had they had pulled her from their show. Uh, Tessa has uh, they wrote Tessa has been removed from our scheduled event on the 24th. We take these allegations levied against her very seriously. An updated card will be released shortly for refund information. Please contact and there's the email address. Uh, Tessa did not participate in the pre or post show hard to kill press conferences. She did win the impact world championship in the hard to kill main event. Uh, She cut a brief post-match promo that was not included on the pay-per-view, but I was there live. Uh, and thought it because it was like 1052 it was I thought it was part of the the pay-per-view so I didn't or it was like 952 I, I it was it, I thought it was part of the pay-per-view so I didn't record it now recordings of it did get out there um, but she acknowledged that nobody in this life is perfect we're all human uh, the wrestling observer reporting that impact wrestling knew uh, what they were getting themselves into when they signed Blanchard uh, due to her history she was easy to pick up off the market as everyone within the company knew about the stories regarding her impact EVPs Don Callis and Scott Demore were not going to be affected business-wise by her past uh, and it was also noted that WWE didn't sign her to a developmental deal in the past because of quote-unquote attitude issues that's it that is uh that took uh, i think we went on like a five minute odyssey there oh uh, the- i think that was yeah about a 10 minute odyssey that's that- that's a lot dude what a what a mountain of news that was uh so i wanted everything to be out there that's why i wanted to make sure that's why this run sheet took so long to put together that's sure. the whole story that is everything around it that is every perspective that is every bit of news uh that you could get involving this Tessagate uh controversy so michael um let's get into it what do you think what do you take away from this situation and impact wrestling's decision to follow through regardless and put the title on tessa so much going on here we said that you know this is all the news that's out there i would not be surprised to see this story continue to kind of pick up momentum i I mean i think this weekend was kind of an inflection point right we had all these things happen saturday and sunday but i guarantee you there is more stuff out there that will still still come out in the coming days and possibly weeks only because impact went through with it they went through with the damn thing now the story going into this weekend was supposed to be how uh, we had a woman competing on the top spot on an impact wrestling card fighting for the biggest championship in that company and and as far as i can remember back in history fighting for the main title on in a legitimate fashion i mean i'm sure wwe did some wild storylines during the attitude era but but fighting for a legitimate fashion for a company's world championship that has only been historically held by men. So that was supposed to be the story and kind of impacts own personal genesis moment for their knockouts division and their women wrestlers. That changed dramatically with all of the tweets and accusations you just brought up, right? Saturday morning changes the entire dynamic of not only this pay-per-view, but this weekend entirely and impact wrestling as an organization. And what I would say is a couple of things here, right? Let's, let's just couch this the right way. Number one, Tessa Blanchard can be a great talent as far as she's got the look, she's got the star power, she's got the in-ring acumen. Uh, She can go toe-to-toe with somebody like Sammy Callahan and make it just this very believable bout. She can have all of that. She can also have a sordid history of doing things to keep others down because keep in mind, guys, this is still the pro wrestling business and egos do run rampant from time to time. And I know there are people on both sides of this, right? What I would lean into here is when there's smoke, 
typically there's some level of fire. And I'm not going to say every story. I don't, I don't doubt any of these stories. I, you know, I would not say maybe they're all 100% the way they played out because memories can be finicky. But with this many accusations and this much detail and this many people saying, yes, that is what happened here. I was there. I believe it. It does lend credence to these accusations. And I think mm. the bigger deal here for me with Tessa is her absolute denial all weekend going into the show and just dismissiveness about it. Not that she acknowledged that these things could have happened. She was like, I've done some stuff in my past, but it almost makes it seem like it's not that big of a deal, which is very disappointing. Yeah, well, and the thing that I find most interesting here is the big swole intervention where she seemed, because the other women here just seem to have been taking the story and, you know, calling it out and saying, you know, how dare you say this? But big swole is like, well, I've actually tried to make a bridge here between these people because I, I find them both to be friends. And I think that this is awful. And if there's racism involved, terrible. And she tried to make the connection here and get them to work it out. But for Tessa to completely say it didn't happen, I wonder how those conversations went. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, well, yeah. that's that's the sign of a professional, right? Is you make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We've all done things we regret. But you own those mistakes. You apologize for it. And you promise to do better in the future. Yeah. So I, and that's and that's the thing is like Tessa, um, I, you know, on my end as a media person, right, I have always found it much more admirable for someone to come out and at least address it publicly. You either deny it or you own it and you say, I'm moving on. This was a story that I, I'm trying to rectify with the people involved. Uh, most recently, I think the person who did something like this the best was honestly like was Lars Sullivan, right? Sure. Who like took who took the hit, paid the money, had this whatever emotional 38 minute conversation with Titus O'Neill in, in, in HR, put out a statement. I would. I don't know if he's doing what, what work he's doing now behind the scenes, but it, it. He was the only one of of note recently where I felt took the hit and, and and called it out. He said, "I did something wrong. I'm going to work on it." Right? That doesn't happen a whole lot in pro wrestling, and um, you know, to to just not address it and um to to not put a for impact to not put a a, 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 a authority person from the back maybe to come out and talk about it like Tony Khan does at Impact, um. It, it does feel like, okay, we're going to sweep this under the rug and we're going to move on. And I just don't know what kind of a s statement that sends to other people who may be experiencing bullying within the industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if the, the statement here is that the bully will still get the title and you will not be heard, that's a very bad statement to be sending. And maybe I'm out of line saying that because Tessa genuinely hasn't been a bully, but this is a lot of people, right? These are a lot of people that, you know... Uh, are of, of note, right? That that really don't have to get into this. You know, it seems to be genuine on their end. So I, the reason I would like to hear from Tessa or somebody uh, with an impact about what conversations were had with Tessa and how this is being uh, viewed or resolved, it just seems um, a little bit like uh, malpractice in my opinion. And I and I hope they do come out about it and talk about it. And I, I'm not saying that to be judgmental of whatever they say or anything like that. I just. I would like to, to know that this is being addressed because bullying is a real issue. And I don't really like the statement that that sends to people um, who may be struggling to come out and talk about uh, uncomfortableness in their workplace. Well, I think the message it sends very clearly is they value, they being Impact Wrestling at this point, values the buzz around creating this first ever women's world champ for their company over the genuineness of addressing workplace harassment. Yes. Right. Equality is the whole thing about this. And the big moment for impact is, listen, we're doing it, guys. We're going to have a woman potentially have 
our world title. It's a first. It's a big thing, right? We're promoting intergender wrestling because it puts women on equal standing with the men. And they've owned that stance, which is a great stance to own if you believe it. But to me, ignoring all of the controversy around Tessa going into Sunday night undermines that stance entirely. It reminds me a lot of WWE sometimes, right? They yeah. get into this, uh, be a you know, be a star campaign, don't bully, whatever else. And then they have these terrible storylines, body shaming. And then bigger than that, they partner with guys like Hulk Hogan, who at certain points when they had signed him back had not done a good enough job, according to the locker room, of addressing his history with racism. And so you can't have it both ways. You can't be the PR machine on one hand and ignore the real issues you're facing on the other hand. Right. And that's the most unfortunate thing for me because I think Impact was really kind of carving out that niche of like, yeah, they're doing some cool stuff here with the Knockouts division. Tessa Blanchard's opening that up. And instead, they ran from all of that this weekend. Yeah. They pulled her. They did not, to your point, they didn't bring anybody out to talk about it. And you know what dominates the conversation now? The fact that they didn't handle this at all. Mm -hmm. And she instead of it being like, look, we did it, women empowered, right? The controversy now dominates the conversation. Yeah, so I, I we'll see. Um, you know, Tessa took the title here. One of the big teases, and you know, we'll see what they do here uh, tomorrow night on Impact Wrestling. Or what is it tonight on Impact Wrestling? Um, Taya Valkyrie has been teasing that she would she's going to be the next contender to, to Tessa. I could theoretically see a dual champion here on the. I mean, Horizon. Not theoretically. I think we're going to see a dual champion, either Tessa or Taya. If I'm Impact, um, I. I I think there's one thing about going through with the Tessa title change. It's a moment for women, right? You know, the first woman to hold the world championship, despite all the controversy. But you could quickly turn around, maybe even on the first episode back, have that match with Taya, put the belt on Taya, and let Tessa uh, powder for a bit and deal with whatever she's got to to get some some credibility back. Now, I, I say that, uh, you know, out, uh, you know, from somebody who who is looking for those things. I will say this: having been in the building for Hard to Kill. The audience really was largely, I felt, behind Tessa. There, mm. did, there were some smatterings of boos and things like that. Um, I got to give Sammy Callahan credit here. He said, I'm sure he said to himself, if we're doing this and I have to go be the bad guy, I'm going to be, be the bad guy. He was, a, he was a fantastic heel in that main event. He got his heat, and it, it gave the fans a reason to cheer for Tessa, and, and they made the best, most of that moment for sure. How the the aftermath will be, we'll see. But in that moment, I think that the the, the fans were there for Tessa. So take from I that, don't know. I think I that think that moment well. came across. I, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that the audience still had a good experience being there at the show. Right? It didn't feel weird but for it, the live crowd. No, it did not. No. Right, but on TV, it felt very weird. Like the end of that show, to your point, the comment she made afterwards. I mean, they they literally she won the title. She stood up. She gets it, and they cut off at ten fifty two. And everybody's kind of like, this is supposed to be a big moment. There should be confetti. There should be whatever else. And they cut it so quickly, it undermined all of that. And if you knew what was going on, you knew why they did it. But I can't I can't help but believe that if even if they had said we're gonna do this because it's the match we advertised yeah. and blah 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 blah, you bring out. I mean, bring out Taya at the end of that show. Have them do a stare down. Hell, do an impromptu match. Yeah. And Taya walks out of there with both titles. I agree. It's, it's, it's a hot potato moment, sure. I agree. But with the controversy behind the scenes, you still get that crowning moment of a woman. I don't know. That's just, I think there's more they could have done. Well, okay. Well, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep an eye on this one. Uh, and there you go, everybody. Tessagate, the opening story. Easily the most buzzed about. And, and actually, before we hop off this real fast, I, I would just like to say, hard to kill. <clears throat> Hard to Kill was a, a very fun show live. It, it really did fly by, uh, very well produced. The, all the production elements look great. Uh, I really love getting to do the post-match uh, pressers. Sean, Sean Grabin, who's the 
PR guy for Access TV. He works so well with uh, Ross Foreman, who's the Impact's PR guy. It was all handled largely very well. That's why I, it was. It, that's why it was upset, upsetting to me even more that uh, we were put out in that moment where I feel like everybody had been so in tune and engaged, and we're trying to properly cover this moment and give everybody the platform that they deserve to address anything. Um, uh, unfortunate. So there's a lot of a lot of talent down there. The one thing I will note is that that talent and impact believes in that brand so much. And you see guys like I mean, I know Moose has his own controversies with the wrestling media. See him standing up for Tessa here. But the thing I will say about Moose is part of his his combative stance with everybody, I feel like, is because he loves impact and he hates any criticism about it whatsoever. There's better ways to handle it. But all of those talent really are behind this product and behind management in a way that I would not have imagined five or 10 years ago. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, all right. Moving away from impact here. Uh, let's get to uh, AEW NXT uh, Showbuzz daily reporting uh, this past Wednesday's uh, edition of dynamite on TNT drew 947,000 viewers topping the 721,000 viewers garnered by NXT on USA they beat NXT by 31%. AEW ranked number six in the cable top 150, while NXT ranked number 55. AEW ranked number 36 in viewership, while NXT ranked number 45. So a little closer there. Uh, but again, the difference in the cable top 150 is that 18 uh, to 45 demo that AEW gets a lot more of than NXT. Uh, last week's Dynamite episode drew 967. So they were down by about 20,000 viewers. Um, they ranked number 13 last week, so they actually had more young people come to the show, regardless of the dip, to make them up higher in the cable top 150. Um, last week's tape special edition of NXT drew 548,000 viewers uh, and ranked number 66, so they were up this week. So, um, what do, you know? What do you take away from the fact that uh, NXT if, uh, took took a, a beating here? They they lost pretty hard, I thought, in, to AEW this week. I mean, at least in comparison to the previous weeks where they'd been head to head and it was much closer. Sure. They lost, they've kind of come down off of those highs of the Rhea Ripley number, right? Whenever she won the championship, the the thing's interesting. AEW did lose about 20,000 viewers, but NXT did pick up about 200,000 viewers. So this audience is still a sizable audience for both of these shows. And it, it, it does seem like they don't have to pull from one another to continue to grow. Now, some weeks they definitely do, and you can see it ebb and flow. But the bigger thing here for me is that 721,000, not a million, but it is also not to the lows that uh, both shows have seen. So that's a good thing. And, and that's a solid number for AEW. The biggest thing, though, is, is quality wrestling product brings in viewers week over week. AEW had some great hooks coming out of the previous week, right? What's John Moxley going to do? How's yeah. the inner circle going to play into this? Um, some great matches for that kind of season opener. And I think that re-hooked and re-engaged that audience where NXT, good wrestling product, but they kind of gave away all their hooks at the end of last year and simmering a little bit before the Rumble this year. So, yeah. Uh, well, uh, AEW star, uh, MJF, uh, he tweeted out the following acknowledging he'll no longer be pulling double duty as his MLW contract is up. Uh, he tweeted out while my time with MLW is over, I can assure you the dynasty will live on forever. So I didn't know this. Uh, Apparently I was at MJF's final, uh, MLW appearance, uh, zero hour, another show. They taped like 16 matches at zero hour because they got to do like four <laughs> weeks of tv i'm not gonna lie it was it was a it was a very fun show i mean you're in dallas there were three von eric's matches tom lawler nearly started a riot rubbing the texas flag on his crotch um dude i'm not lying so like filthy tom lawler he comes out he's wearing this like 
cowboy hat that's got like these lights on it and stuff and he's got like this you know stick horse you know whatever and he's riding around making fun of texas <laughs> and he takes the texas flag and he fucking he freaking uh shoves it down his pants right <laughs> and then he like does the stripper thing where he like pulls it back and forth this dude in the front row this big dude who probably had a couple cocktails in him picks up one of those big gray plastic trash cans that was like near there and he threw the entire trash can at the ring. <laughs> and he said, if you disrespect my Texas flag again, I'm going to kick your ass. And, like, dude, they, they picked up the trash can. They started throwing it back. It was, like, it was crazy. It was That's awesome. crazy. So, anyway, and, and MJF was there. And he uh, he did his last few matches and uh, got a lot of heat. So, anyway. MLW is awesome. I mean, like, you know, they, they don't get talked about as much as all the bigger promotions, but MLW does some really cool stuff, and it always seems like they put together solid cards. Yeah, dude. And, like, if you're, I mean, if for a TV product, if you love deathmatch wrestling, you know, Mance Warner and Jimmy Havoc did a barbed wire match, new rope barbed wire match, and uh, yeah, it delivered. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, Wrestling Observer reporting. Oh, this is an interesting story here. Another a. This is our AEW WWE pivot story here because it involves both companies. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting. The Japanese wrestling historian Fumi Saito uh, was interviewing their own Dave Meltzer for an international pro wrestling documentary while he was in Tokyo for Wrestle Kingdom 14. Uh, the crew doing interviews for the documentary also interviewed people from WWE and were reportedly passing claim uh, and reportedly passed claims against AEW by people in WWE to Meltzer. So before the interviews, the director of the documentary asked Meltzer on Twitter, if there was any truth to AEW president and CEO, Tony Khan buying all the tickets to the AEW events that were sold out on the first day as a way to make the new AEW product appear to be a hot one. The story on Khan reportedly came from people within WWE who explained to the documentary crew that the fast ticket sales and the early sellouts were AEW buying up all the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a story propagated from within the group of WWE talents or told to WWE talents from within the company. This story is not true. <laughs> so, God, this is some like squared, like R slash squared circle level stuff right here. Like, right? Whispers. Oh, did you hear that Tony Khan used all of his daddy's money to buy it? Oh, yeah, of course he did, right? <sighs> Whatever. What do you have to gain from that? And then they just went over to the other team and were like, hey, the WWE guys told us this. And he was like, what? I just can't believe that people, I mean, Ugh. just look it up, right? I, I I get why this could be like, this is like a game of telephone, right? Somebody starts the story. Yeah, I heard that a lot of that, oh, that sellout, that's probably just because they bought them all up so they can sell on the secondhand market and kind of perpetuates to be Tony Khan himself was buying all the tickets. I just wish people would news check thing like these guys did like this crew did before putting it out there because you know it well now now i want to see this documentary this is great <laughs> this is great publicity for them uh i wonder if it's vince right he's just sitting there and he's like you know what happened that tony khan him and his, his father with their nfl money uh meanwhile he's trying to get that xfl money so he can up his ticket sales too right god damn it all right um Here's oh, the these are the same people that still believe that in some way um, Tony Khan and his dad are helping out Vince McMahon to start the XFL. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, Vince McMahon's going to be revealed as the higher power who owns both companies, right? Oh. There's some level of that in here. So here for that. Super Bowl, whatever the next Super Bowl comes out, lights go out, Undertaker comes up, Vince McMahon comes out, takes the hood off. All right, anyway. It's a run-in by the XFL players. Oh, my God. 
do something with the Fertitas. They're moving the, the Raiders to Vegas. That'll be a total carnival show. All right. Um, Triple H and Paige. Uh, here's our first WWE story. We've got, a, we've got a couple of them here today. So Inside the Ropes was interviewing Triple H, uh, and he commented on a possible Edge and Paige uh, in-ring return, since that's been uh, both of them have been buzzed about possibly coming back. He said, yeah, I would love to see them step into the ring and compete, but more importantly than that, though, I'd love to see them live long, healthy lives. You know, Edge has kids. Paige, maybe she probably has some she doesn't know of. <laughs> so, a little humor there. Uh, Paige retweeted the clip and wrote, even my boss jokes about me. No wonder you guys still do it, too. Renee Young then tweeted, big love to Paige. She's been to hell and back, but still some people want to make jokes. We need and she deserves real change. Uh, and Nikki Bella also chimed in saying, we will never see the true change in equality if we just see them as storylines. Change in a company starts from the top. Our leaders help set the example. For us women, we need all the help we can get. Help with respect from our coworkers and fans. We are all one, one love. Uh, what what uh, what do you think here? Uh, just a, a bad joke, a bad precedent. Uh, what do you what do you think of it? <laughs> I, I think it is a bad precedent. I think Triple H needs to remember sometimes that he does a pretty good job overall, but occasionally he lets himself lean back into his old habits of kind yeah. of being one of the boys and, and making jokes. I don't think he was – I mean, I'm going to extrapolate a lot here, so bear with me. Um, I don't think he was necessarily trying to call her a whore, which is kind of the implication here. Right. I think he was just going the train of thought as, you know, Edge has kids. You know, he might – maybe he wants to do this. Uh, Paige, well, she doesn't have kids. Well, maybe. You know, who knows, right? Yeah. Kind of like one of those things, like just making an offhanded comment because your brain hasn't cut up to what you're saying. Yeah. But he's got to be mindful because it does come across exactly like this, which is as people have made fun of Paige for her, her history here. And I'm glad I'm glad to see Renee Young and Nikki Bella stick up for Paige. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it was a bad joke, and I'm glad that uh, Hunter got called out on it because he does do so much press. You know, sometimes, like you said, I think your brain and your mouth, they work uh, not in sync sometimes. I don't really – I agree. I don't think he meant it in any kind of super derogatory way. But – uh, if uh, if this, you know, it, it did obviously touch a nerve here and he should know that and address yeah. it. And I'm sure we won't hear it again. So uh, and good. Again, you do something wrong. You address it. You learn from it. Right. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the moral from today's podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, so last night on Raw, uh, Buddy Murphy joined Seth Rollins in AOP stable. I don't know what the stable is called. The, the Church of Rollins, maybe. I'm not really sure. The uh, outer circle is is the mm -hmm. is that what it's called? The honor circle? <laughs> the the outer circle, right? Oh, the outer circle. Oh, the yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved it. I just wanted to, to point this out. I just think these four guys. You got the 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 badass tag team. You got the leader in Rollins. You got the worker, another workhorse, and Buddy Murphy here. All all the elements here. Uh, I hope they get some room to run. I want a formal name for this group. Uh, but I, these are young guys in their prime that can go and do a lot and are very compelling. And I have high expectations for this one. Tons and tons of potential. Yeah. And Rollins has just done a complete 180 from a few months ago where I thought he was the least interesting person on that roster who was on TV every week. And now he is owning this Messiah role. He's doing fantastic work with it. Um, he's got some real energy behind him with this stable. And I'm most importantly glad to see Buddy Murphy get the rub here because my fear was he was going to go lose to Aleister Black a bunch of times and then be forgotten about. But yet they use that, those losses, which make a lot of sense because he is not a former, former champion like Aleister Black is. They use that to get him TV time to position him and pivot him to this role. So, so much good here. I think Buddy Murphy looked great. And I hope that they find some other creative ways to use these guys moving forward once they get beyond this feud with Big Show, Samojo, and Kevin Owens. Agreed. 
Uh, WWE, uh, let's talk about the Rumble here real quick. We got a couple of tidbits going into the Rumble. Uh, Baron uh, Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, they're going to face off the Rumble in a singles match, but they're both also going to be in the Rumble. Uh, they will be joined now also by Dolph Ziggler, Elias, Dozer, Tucker, Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy, Rusev, and Bobby Lashley. Uh, Sarah Logan is going to be a part of the Women's Rumble, and the Observer reporting that Nia Jax could still be back in time for the 30-woman Royal Rumble women's match, uh, 30-women Royal Rumble match later this month. Uh, Jax, of course, underwent double knee surgery back on April 25th of last year uh, and was said to be doing great ahead of schedule with her recovery. Uh, It was reported in June that Jax should be back in time for the Rumble, but there haven't been many updates since, except for this one here from uh, Dave Meltzer. Um, A lot of names. We're going to get Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, the feud that is lighting the, the world on fire. Um... I don't know. Anything? Any, any Anything changed for you this week in regards to the Rumble? No, the, only, the biggest thing, they gave McIntyre a little bit of time to breathe. It gave him a different kind of segment interacting with some really high-profile people. So Agreed. he's still on my list of, of guys who I think could win it all and deserve that breakout moment. Now, dude, Aleister Black, man, he looks like a badass. He beat Buddy Murphy three times in a row, and then Murphy convincingly spun out into the top feud uh, on Raw. Just beautiful. Wonderful. I would love to see Aleister Black take on Brock Lesnar. I would love to see, I don't think WWE wants to put that match on WrestleMania. I think Black could be an interesting opponent for uh, Bray Wyatt, even though he's not on that brand. You, you don't know how you get there, but that would be a really cool matchup. Um, the guy who wants competition, and here's a guy who lives behind a children's show, right? That's a really cool dynamic. So um, I just don't know if WWE's ready to pull the trigger yet. Yeah, well, I love Buddy Murphy, just so broken by the loss. He just stays ringside for the rest of the show, and nobody wants to go over and tell him to leave. So good. Uh, Rusev also was on Raw last night. Uh, he lost to Lashley, uh, and uh, he uh, is going to team with Liv Morgan to go up against uh, Lashley and Lana next week on Raw. And also his Twitter bio now reads, soon to be free agent. Uh, so what do you think here? Just a T te- I, you know, he would be great on the open market, but I find it hard to believe he would leave when uh, this is arguably, I mean, he did the run with Cena and he came out in the tank. That was a big thing for him, but this is since then the, the biggest push he's gotten in the company His he's working with his wife, uh, say what you will about the story. Um, but it's, uh, it seems to be gaining popularity and winning over more people week by week. In in my opinion, uh, I don't see this guy leaving. I think it's a tease. I think especially with his, his wife re-signing is the bigger thing to me because I can see how that would be challenging to leave. I don't know that – I mean, yes, this is the highest profile feud he's had in five or six years. I think last night he lost. He looked a little bit like a chump. I think next week them redoing this match. I think even, even Bobby Lashley was like, I'm done with this, right? And they're still going back to it. So uh, we'll see. Who knows? He just likes to stir the pot too. You know Rusev. Oh, Rusev. Uh, well, another guy stirring the pot. We got a couple people stirring the pot here. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting that Matt Hardy presented an idea to have a, a series reintroduce the woken, broken character uh, to the WWE universe, but WWE passed on the idea. Now, Hardy's WWE contract reportedly uh, is set to expire on March 1st. He is expected to leave the company. And on that note, over in AEW, the Dark Order storyline is now teasing a mysterious leader or exalted one. Now, earlier this month, the Dark Order released a video of Evil Uno entering the leader's office and saying it is done the first words out of the leader's mouth were wonderful a popular phrase used by hardy now there's a lot of speculation that hardy is the one who's going to lead the dark order in aew uh but at the same time bray wyatt out there tweeting the following dear matt i could never i could never hurt you i could heal you i just like you did for me when the world threw me away and you were the only one offering to pick me up and i never forget 
I, look, if the opportunity is there for him to be this leader of this Dark Order thing, you know, it had that little bump in the road there where there was the one putty patrol member who didn't really know how to throw <laughs> punches back to the back to Power Rangers. Um, but I would, you know, he's a natural fit for this. And I think the fans would love it. And, I, and the Dark Order, as controversial as they are, I do see potential. I just hate how many groups on AEW are like, join our group. You know, it's a, it's too much, a little repetitive for me. You know, at the moment. it's a little bit like the NWO versus the NWO Wolfpack versus the whatever else, the LWO yeah. back in the day, right? You got to pick a side here. No, I think Matt Hardy, I'm even surprised that he presented the idea to reintroduce it. It does not surprise me WWE was over and done with it. This Bray Wyatt tease here, you can tell Bray Wyatt and Matt, they have some kind of fun together. And I think they enjoyed their run together, even yeah. though. It was a little bit underwhelming. I think they found some synergy there, and it did kind of reposition Bray at the time. So I understand Bray kind of being like, dear Matt, you know, kind of like this last pitch effort, like, hey, don't leave. Maybe we can do something together. But I think Matt would be much better served to go to a place like AEW and get some of that creative control back. But also, yeah, this this Dark Order storyline has got to culminate in something. And even if it's predictable, it culminating with the reveal of Matt Hardy, the broken Matt Hardy as the guy behind it all, would just be a great payoff yeah. for the fans. I agree. I agree. And it would, and you know, it'd be, a, it'd be kind of a different. I think, I think it'd be a twist on it, like a cult sure. leader version of it. I think it would give Matt a chance to, to play around with even, even a little slightly different version of what he's doing. And I'm really intrigued by that because Matt's always been so good about reinventing himself. So I'm very interested to see what he would do in that role, if that's where it goes. Uh, the revival. Also, we got an update here on them. Uh, Scott Dawson of the revival tweeted out, "Guys, it's time to go away for a while until we get everything figured out." See you soon. Now, it should be noted that the Revival's WWE contracts are expected to expire around April, although Wilders reportedly had 10 weeks added to his contract due to the time he missed for a broken jaw in 2017. So, if you, again, if you get injured, guys, you are your contract, I guess, extends in WWE. I still don't understand that one. Uh, the duo filed uh, to trademark hashtag FTRKO on Tuesday, January 7th. The following description uh, use was included with the uh, United States Patent and Trademark Office filing. It's for hats, hooded, sweatpants, uh, and shirts. The next day on January 8th, Dash and Dawson filed the trademark, the Shatter Machine name, which is what they call their finisher. Uh, that filing included the same form for that, uh, for merchandise, but on top of that, it was also for entertainment in the nature of wrestling contest entertainment services, namely live appearance, blah, 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 more pro wrestling, more entertainment, more live events. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, the second description could indicate they are planning to use the Shatter Machine name in their wrestling careers after they leave WWE, if they do, which is a good name. Uh, these new trademark filings were done by attorney Michael Dawkins of the Schumacher, Loop, and Kendrick law firm in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, Dawkins is the same attorney that did the filing for the hashtag FTR name back in January of 2019, and I believe is the lawyer who's been helping Cody recently. Uh, with his trademark filings, interestingly enough. Mm. Uh, yeah, these guys are positioning themselves for a life after WWE, it seems like, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This hey. FTRKO tagline is what I'm, I'm really curious about because there was a moment, right, where Randy Orton seemed like he could go somewhere else, and I think Randy Orton and the Revival together was this kind of really fun, almost throwback team. And uh, the moving away from that, with the FTRKO hashtag being trademark, I, I don't know how you use it without... The RKO there, unless you're just kind of a an FU to the previous company. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm very intrigued by that one because it doesn't look like Randy's leaving WWE, um, but maybe it's just something they wanted so that it couldn't be used against them, right? Mm. To, and for confusion in the marketplace. So who knows? Um, uh, the Rusty Observer reporting. The idea behind Ray's title loss to Andrade at the December 26th Madison Square Garden live event was to have Ray moved into the top feud on the Raw brand, uh, which is with Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe battling Rollins and AOP. 
Um, Andrade is set to move into a program with a new top babyface. Uh, he was originally slated to feud with Humberto Carrillo, uh, which is why Carrillo defeated Andrade twice back in December. Uh, while that was the plan several weeks back, the WWE NXT invasion angle led to some creative changes that resulted in Styles in the OC earning multiple wins in a row of Carrillo, uh, causing him to lose some steam. It's not known now who Andre uh, Andrade is going to feud with after uh, Rey Mysterio here. But a lot of opponents, man. Andrade on fire right now. I love his work with Rey Mysterio. Looking forward to, to what they've got going on uh, heading into the Rumble as well. His promo was fire last night. What you want to see from him is this level of real authenticity and aggression, and I love that. I, I hate this comment in here, though. Um, what is it? The invasion angle led to some creative changes that resulted in this. There's like this commentary here that almost feels like WWE does know they can control the storylines, right? Like if they wanted to put Carrillo over, they could have still done that because at the end of the day, they book the wins and losses. <laughs> Not that it just happened. Oh well, he lost. Oh, well. I, I'm told that the I'm told that the finishes are predetermined, Michael. <laughs> oh, uh, next thing you'll tell me that Power Rangers didn't actually get filmed in America. So. Uh, dude, that blew my mind. Anyway, I don't want to get back. To, I don't want to get. I don't want to get off on this tangent again because I'm still very upset about it. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's see here. Um. The next story. Oh, this one's uh, This one took me off. This one. This one also killed a little bit of my childhood. Um. WWE Hall of Famer Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, real name Robert Remus is being called out for taking for talking about his worked military background as if it was real in non kayfabe interviews. The story behind Slaughter's WWE character is that he was a drill instructor in the United States Marines. Slaughter would repeat this claim and tell related stories during a non kayfabe and during non kayfabe interviews over the years. Slaughter was still telling these stories as recently as February of last year, as he told Sam Roberts and Jim, Jim Norton that he served two tours of duty in Vietnam. Oh, my God. There are, there are no other interviews where Slaughter gave details of his service, and it looks like that is because he never actually served in the military at all, Michael. Slaughter claimed that he served six years in the U.S. Marine Corps from 1966 to 73, but there's an issue with that claim because Slaughter started wrestling for the AWA in 1972. Well, I guess he was in <laughs> Vietnam. The accusations against Slaughter resurfaced. It was back in the territory day, Nick, okay? <laughs> territory in Vietnam, you never know. Man, oh man. Good morning, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, the accusations against Slaughter resurfaced this week after a thread on the Observer Newsletter's message board started by writer Carl Stern. The Baltimore Sun reported on March 24th, 1985, that was like a month after I was born, uh, that the Marines wrote a letter to the champion and asked him to stop pretending that he was a Marine. This was 34 years ago, almost 35 years ago. Captain Jay Farrar of the Public Affairs Office uh, of the Marines told the Sun that he has been interested in slaughter for a few years since he started using Marine-related paraphernalia, but he was very elusive. It was noted that Farrar's office received 50 complaints on slaughter in one year from actual Marines. The Marines demanded slaughter stop, but it looks like he and his agent have never responded, and he is still perpetrating himself to have served in the military. Can't you go to jail for this? Dear God, yes, you can. This is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I didn't know this story existed or was out there until I saw it on the run sheet here a few minutes ago, right? And I was like, wait, what? Oh, so you didn't all of this know. is new to me, and this is just insanity. Dude, I this blew my mind. I really thought that he was in the Marines. I, I got worked. Um, and uh, he, like, burned the American flag and, like, turned on the country in the 80s. You're having a lot of, like, coming-of-age moments today, Nick. I can just – I'm feeling it with you, man. <laughs> 
uh, it's just, uh, it's you know, and I also think about like you know he did GI Joe, and like I'm sure there are people that joined the military because of Sergeant Slaughter, so he sure. certainly did his job in helping the army. But yeah, dude, you go to jail for this stuff. You don't do that. Well, and it's it's a different day and age, right? So I, I, 35 years ago, not that it's ever okay to impersonate a military officer, right? But when you're doing promotional work for a wrestling company and you're doing it as that character, right? And you talk about your background, then it's a little bit different than I think now in 2019, even a year ago when he had that interview with, with Sam Roberts and he's still in Jim Norton, still talking about that, right? People know now that you are a different person than your character. Is so it to keep talking about doing tours of duty in Vietnam when you never touch down over there? It is wrong this day and age, and it seems like Slaughter has not kept up with the way the business has changed. Yeah, that would be an understatement. So I would suggest <laughs> he stop doing that, or he will maybe wind up in a very real prison. So mm. anyway... Uh, and maybe they won't. Maybe they're like, you know what? You did so much. We just really are. It bugs the crap out of us because men have died for what you are accusing or claiming that you have done. So anyway, uh, PWInsider.com. Uh, last WWE note, uh, WWE is headed back to Saudi Arabia on Thursday, February 20th. Um, hmm. It's gonna be the follow-up show. And I guess they're doing three a year now. They're doing more shows. That's why we're getting, we're getting it going earlier now. Dear God. So like, is this, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised they're going back. I'm surprised they're going back this soon afterwards. Though. Well, but I mean, it'll be, of course, all the stuff, the fallout from the last show, we'll follow up on that. But this is also, what, six weeks before WrestleMania? You're going to do yeah. two WrestleManias within a six-week period? That seems a little weird. A WrestleMania equivalent, Nick. That's what they advertise it as, a <laughs> WrestleMania equivalent. If not bigger. So, <laughs> right. All right. Greater than or equal to. Um, all right. We'll wrap up uh, the news portion here with some ROH tidbits. We have uh, four uh, ROH tidbits here. Uh, we'll kick it off with the Observer reporting that uh, Ring of Honor is offering Marty Skrull uh, or offered Marty Skrull WWE main roster money and a deal that would see him working only 40 dates per year, among other perks. Uh, PW Insider chimed in saying that Marty Skrull has, in fact, signed that deal with Ring of Honor. Unclear the length of the contract, but it was confirmed that he will be taking on lead booking and creative duties. So I guess that's what those other perks were that Meltzer was talking about. Uh, the Observer, uh, back to the Observer, they say Skrull is not the head booker, a role that will remain with Delirious, uh, but Marty's contract will allow him to work outside of Ring of Honor with companies like New Japan, uh, potentially New Japan America, the NWA, and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. Uh, Meltzer noted that Skrull wants to try to form a working relationship between AEW and ROH, and uh, Skrull's deal is the most lucrative in Ring of Honor history. Skrull was heavily involved in Ring of Honor shows this past weekend and helped create the idea for a free show on February 9th in Baltimore. At those tapings this past weekend, uh, Flamita, Bendito, and Ray Oris uh, defeated Villain Enterprises, Marty, Flip, and Brody to become the new six-man tag champion. So he got the book and he, dropped, he took the gold off himself immediately. Bravo. Uh, Bandito, uh, on that note, Bandito has re-signed with Ring of Honor as of this past weekend. Uh, and uh, lastly here, Ring of Honor uh, announced that Supercard of Honor is going to be on Saturday, April 4th in Lakeland, Florida. It'll be Saturday night. It's going to go uh, the night before WrestleMania. It'll go head-to-head -head with TakeOver. And it will now feature Bullet Clubs, Switchblade, Jay White, uh, he is now going to be on the show. So Marty Skrull here, we're already seeing some moves. Took the gold off himself, made a call to New Japan. I guess we're going to uh, bring in Jay White here. There was already that working relationship with ROH and New Japan, but it looks like Marty's going to try to fire that up here a little bit more, especially with New Japan losing their uh, uh, access TV deal here to distribute in the States. And, uh, hmm, you know, a lot of a lot of moving pieces here. And out of, out of left field, Ring of Honor, they've got some momentum again. 
Yeah, it's, we've been talking for so long about you know how disappointed we've been, or me personally, I've been in Ring of Honor over the last year and all the controversy surrounding it. And it seems like maybe this is the first step, so they're being light at the end of the tunnel. Of course, Bandito resigning, great talent there, happy to see that. Um, the Super Card the night before WrestleMania, they've still got a lot of work to do to get it back to where it was this year in that historic show at Madison Square Garden with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But I do think. Jay White, and I said this after Wrestle Kingdom last weekend, Jay White is a great addition to an American promotion. He is a big dude as far as personality, as, as being this badass heel. So I, I love this addition to this card here. I still think, you know, you're competing with TakeOver, and there's a bunch of overlap between that ROH and TakeOver audience. So still some work to do. Not that it's going to be as big as 2019 show, but um, good for them for pulling out the moves. But yeah, Skrull here being the main attraction, this is great news all the way around for Ring of Honor, right? This dude is a talent in the ring and out of the ring. I like the fact that he's talking about making some production moves here, a free show, which is a great idea, outside the box thinking, wanting to build up that partnership with AEW. What does that look like? How would that work out? Um, but, but you know, this dude, he, he reminds me a lot of a younger Matt Hardy with that creative streak and that desire to expand himself in the business and learn great. about what he doesn't know that's a and great have comparison. a lasting impact. That's a great, dude, I didn't even thought of that. That's a really good comparison you made between him and Matt. I, I completely agree with you on that one. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's what Ring of Honor needed to do coming into 2020 is make some big moves, leave their baggage behind them, and signing Skrull to this big, you know, Ring of Honor needs some fresh faces in there anyway that it's been booked by Hunter for so long that I, I think Skrull is the right position here, and it is going to help set up Ring of Honor for hopefully some success in 2020. I am here with WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, Dallas will be returning to the ring next uh, Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. He'll be teaming with Dustin Rhodes, QT, and QT Marshall. They'll be facing MJF, MJF, the Butcher, and the Blade. Uh, Dallas, how are you doing today? Man, unstoppable. And what's really cool is that, and I, I don't think we, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but you know, when I started to try wrestling, I was 23 years old. And it didn't work out for me. But I had three matches. I actually have a pit paper of the card from that night uh handsome dallas page uh, I, I thought it was a tribute to handsome jimmy valiant and it turns out i realized i was ripping his gimmick off <laughs> but uh um that was so that was in 1979 in 89 i was working with awa and florida championship wrestling and dusty had me as a color commentator next to gordon Soley, and i was managing big steel uh, which is Fred Otmer, uh, who is uh, uh, was also Tugboat, and his son-in-law. Um, uh, and um, bottom line is, if Sl if Slater, Dick Slater, beat um, Tugboat, at that time Big Steel Man, um, he would got five minutes in a ring with DDP. And I just watched a clip of it. Somebody found it for me and sent it to me. And I mean, considering I don't know what the hell I'm doing, I look pretty decent out there, <laughs> smoking mirrors. Um, uh, I did a flying clothesline where we we both went to the mat, which I've never, you know, unless I was coming off the top road, I've never seen that before, um, and I forgot I did it. Um, so that's that's the '80s. Then of course by running the '90s, 2000. And then as it rolled into 2010, there was a promotion in Rome, Georgia, that asked me if I'd come in and do a tag team. I thought, what the hell? I'll have five decades in if I do it. So I did it. 
And then I did a couple other sporadic things over 2010, you know, the, the rumble, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the Andre the giant battle Royal, but or actually matches matches. Uh, but I got that from Mark from the 2010. And then this, this comes up with AEW and I thought, man, if I wrestle in a match, in 2020, I'll have six decades that I've wrestled. <laughs> I know Dustin Rhodes. I know Dustin Rhodes just hit. Uh, he just hit um, five decades of wrestling. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just a fun, fun, fun fact, you know. And uh, you know that you could even be around that the people would even care. You know, that's the cool part for me. Right. And that's a that's wild. Um, you know, we we had talked uh, the last time I interviewed you was uh, October. Uh, when you got physically involved um, in that angle with MJF, and you had mentioned that you had no desire to return to the ring, um, what changed your mind? Was it, was it that feat to to compete in uh, in six decades, or, or or what made you decide to get back in the ring? Um, you know, Cody and I had talked about it. You know, I, I wanted it to do something, be do something with him, but because of the the rivalry with Max, it didn't work. Um, but I love being with Dustin. I've known Dustin since he was 18. So I've known Dustin over 32 years. Uh, and, and QT is a super cool dude. Um, and, and I think Max, you know, we've talked about this. I think Max, uh, he's just one of the most natural cats in the ring. Like he was born to do this, you know, uh, and, uh, um, you know, Butcher and Blade are two really good athletes. So, you know, I think it's going to, you know, it wasn't something I was looking towards, but I, more than anything, I wanted to say the first part of that promo live on TNT. Like, if you had told me March 26, 2001, the day that WWE took over and TNT went bye bye to wrestling, I wanted to be the guy to say, you know, if you had told me 19 years later that DDP would be live again on TNT with AEW, I have to say you're smoking crack. Right. It's, you know, something. So to get that, to make it work and hit multiple diamond cutters, you know, you had to work it into some kind of match for it all to work. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it because it's just another story. You know, depending on what you're actually listening to, what I'm saying, it's another actual story of anything's possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Right. Anything. I mean, I, I teach it, I preach it, I live it. But I live it in a way where, oh, there's something even I thought would have been impossible a few years earlier. Right. And you've obviously, obviously, you've, I'm sorry, I'm a little tongue, tongue twisted. I just got back from India the other day and still oh, a little jet lagged. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Just, uh, just, uh, you know, getting back into uh, American time is, is yeah, taking sure. a minute. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, you've obviously kept in tremendous shape this entire time. Uh, you, you've looked great. Uh, but obviously, you know, Taking bumps and everything's a little different. How are you sure. feeling heading in? You know, heading into uh, into Dynamite. Well, you know, but I, it's so funny because Jericho looks at me because he didn't know what I was going to do, and he said, uh, "How's your body?" I said, "Good." He goes, "You're not taking any bumps right there." I go, "Diamond cutters." He goes, 
so you are, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not something I want to do. And I, I really, really, really think that this would be the last one, you know, because again, you leave a little piece of yourself out in that ring every time you go out there, like just doing that, that, that one diamond cutter I do where the guy goes to clothesline me and I block it and hook them and spin them. That muscles, I haven't used those muscles in a long time like that. So I had some strain counter strain shit going on uh, just from doing that and then hitting the mat. Um, but at the moment, you're not feeling that because it's the, you know, it's the roar of the crowd and the smell of the popcorn, you know, that really, you, you don't get to do it. Like, and I also looked at, you know, they, they've done all these legend things, you know, uh, in WWE where they brought them all back and all this stuff. But Really, besides Nash, you know, no one's really could go out there and do it at that level. You know what I mean? Because Nash didn't even stop, you know. But I just saw a picture of him after having his knees redone. Man, he he is such a stud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is such, <laughs> such a stud. Um, He's ripped. <laughs> yeah, but for all the guys who are out there who do all the stuff, you know, none of them are as old as me either. You know, Kev's only 60. Or uh, 61. I'm going to be 64 on wow. April 5th. So, um, again, I don't think I'll do it again after this. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to have fun, get to hang with my boys. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the most fun about the AEW, and, you, and you've seen their shows. I mean, it's not, it's it's completely different WWE. You know, it just is. Right. Um, it doesn't make that better or worse to me. You know, uh, they, the, People, the crowd. I mean, and I listened to it back, and it was loud. But it, when you're there, it's five times louder. Yeah. You know, I mean, that crowd is white hot, and they were with it all. And if you, when you really think about it, the average fan of their crew, you know, who are out there. You know, showing up on Wednesday nights, which, by the way, is the hardest night on the planet to bring people in, right. you know, to a show because it's the middle of the week. You know, it's hump time. People aren't going out watching wrestling, but they are. And these fans are these AEW fans. You know, Dusty said to me back in, you know, the ECW era. He'd be like, D, I wish, I wish you could have been there. You know, you you would have loved it. Like those fans were crazy. Like, like they that, that ECW crowd, like fifteen hundred people were, they were so friggin' pio in the show, you know. And that's the way it is with ECW. So that's the really cool part, you yeah. know. And, and actually, to do a bash at the beach, that's pretty cool. Do you know if they're going to, is it going to be similar to when WCW, when they used to do those on-location nitros where you had like the pool and, you know, uh, kind of like the beach setting? I mean, I, I love those shows because they look different. It felt different. Uh, do you know if they're going to be doing something like that or will it be, you know, just mm. more of the, the, the regular setup? Yeah, I'm not, I haven't heard any of that yet, but, but a guy like Club La Vila, where we were, yeah. was, that was pretty sweet, man. I'll never forget because that was the beginning of 96 when we were down there and I was getting a great reaction, really great reaction. And they were chanting DDP really loud. I walked through and Hulk pulled me aside. He was like, man, you're on, you're on your way, bro. 
you know, you're on your way. And uh, you know how hard it is to get people to chat your name? It was really hard back then. Here they now they kind of get it's part of the show, you know, so it's a little bit easier. But but when you can hand feed it, you know, your promo to them in what, you know, singers, country music singers call it face mode, where they can, you know, get up to the hook and then they just shut up and the entire crowd sings the song. You know, it's uh, uh, when they're doing that in wrestling, it's pretty cool, too. Absolutely. Um, So. uh you're going to be working against uh, MJF, the, the Butcher, the Bunny. I mean, uh, the Blade with the Bunny. Uh, we've talked about MJF uh, before, but, man, this guy, you, you mentioned he, he was born for this. How would you yeah. already compare him to, you know, some of the other great promos in the business this early on in the game? Like, you know, when they were uh, not quite rookies, but but only a couple years into the business. You know, uh, I use the words flair-esque. Because, you know, to me, Flair, Dusty, you know, guys that I really loved listening promos, um, you know, from th- that era, Flair and Dusty, a Superstar, like their promos were just, you know, they were different, you know, and they captivated you. And and um, Flair, I, I would say, like, uh, MJF is a little piece of, you know, of Rick. He's a little piece of... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rick, Rick, Rick Rude. I couldn't get that out because he just knows and he doesn't ever say the same thing twice. As right. he rehearses something, he's just he's a very he's known what he's wanted to do. I'm sure you've seen that piece of him on, on Rosie O'Donnell, right? right yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and if you've if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube and just pull up. You know, for in Maxwell to Jacob Friedman uh, and Rosie O'Donnell, and she'll interview him because he's going to sing opera at five years old. He's not really going to sing opera. It's MJF is uh, opera. But at the end, she said, so when you grow up, you're going to be an opera singer? He goes, yep, and a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just think the kid's got uh, – He's got real chops. I'm around him. I watch him. Um, he's a teacher too. I watch him with that too. Uh, so uh, he's. He, I think that uh, you know, you know what Cody's doing with him is is beautiful. It's real booking, you know. Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Uh, his rise has been, uh, you know, something to behold. And and I've mentioned this before, but I think that's been kind of uh, an art that's been getting lost is the the art of the promo. And uh, MG, MJF is really bringing that back, I feel like. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, he can go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever heard Jericho's podcast with him, but it was just, it was nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, there, that, there's a guy, you know, and it's not because I'm in the same company, you know, because he's the champ, blah, blah, blah. I, I've been friends with Chris a long time now, and he's the one who really put us on the map with DDPY. Uh, how about this, dude? How about the entire building chanting yoga? Right. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because I never want to call it yoga. But they, 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 you that, can you imagine that happening ten years ago? Right, <laughs> building chanting yoga, like oh my god. <laughs> uh, 
Back to Jericho, which I'm just about to do is cruise. He just right. he just texts because you want to be on a panel I'm doing with uh, NWO. Bischoff's going to be there, uh, uh, Xbox and Nash. I said absolutely, yeah, I'd love to be on that. Um, but Chris is the one who really put us over because when he blew his back out and said his career was over, three different spine specialists say you're done, and then three months later you're headlining WrestleMania against Punk. You know, you're a believer, you know, and he's just told so many people about it. And I've hooked him up with the app and uh, look at him look at him today at 49. I love his new look. I love how he's reinvented himself a little bit of the bubbly. You know, he, he's always got like that next part of a character. And, he, and he, today he's he's a big man out there. You know, he's thick. He he still moves like a cat. His promos are unstoppable you know so i think that uh you know between those two guys now moxley in there and what they're doing with him um you know cody is probably maybe the most over babyface in the group uh and he puts people over (laughs) you know (laughs) right you know, he's not out there just shoving himself down their throat. You know, he's he's, he's doing really quality work when it comes with thought out storylines. Uh, so I'm really, I, I, it's a fun place to be around. Um, and then uh, WWE's coming here on Wednesday after, and they're going to interview me for uh, Malone and Rodman. Oh. You know, so I'm still glad because I'm like in the middle. You know, like, uh, I'm, I, I want to be able to help, you know, uh, code whatever he needs um but wwe needs something from me you know, i'm always there for them they 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 treated me super great the last you know last 10 years right know? and that's great because i know last time you had mentioned how they hadn't been uh inviting you to the, like the legend shows and things like that because you were appearing on aew so do you think that's changed like that's kind of smoothed over a little I don't know. You know, it's like they called me. I didn't call them. So, uh, and they asked if I wanted to do it. I'm like, of course I want to do it. If you guys want to do anything, you know? Right. It's, you know, it's, it's anything that's easy like that, you know? Yeah. I'm sure this will, this will be my last. I really, honest to God, believe it'll be my last, you know, ring, ring stuff, you know? Actually, yeah. Diamond Cutter, you still might see once in a while, but that'll be it. Yeah. And I, I, I want to. St- Talk to you a little bit about the Positively Unstoppable Challenge, but uh, real quick, I wanted to ask you about just social media right now. Um, you know, you see AEW versus NXT on Wednesday nights. I think it's a lot of fun uh, seeing, you know, it, it's reminiscent of the, the Monday Night Wars, but different. Sure. Uh, but now you got social media and you got, you know, fans just tearing into each other, <laughs> ripping the other uh, the other product. The Young Bucks who made their name off of social media quit Twitter. Uh, because of a, a lot of the negativity, which I think it's a small fraction of people that are negative, but they are the loudest. What are right. your thoughts on social media today? Because you use it a lot, and uh, and wrestling fans on social media. Well, I know that um, I know that my company would never be where it is today without social media. I think there is a lot of really good things out there on social media, and then there's a lot of bad and all you have to do is look at the Arthur Borman video. And this is where it says it all. Um, there are over 40, 43 million views just on ours, but there are over 470,000 thumbs up. 
there are 4,002 thumbs down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you can put a thumbs down on that video, you're just a douchebag. Right. Period. You're just a douchebag. Um, so I think that, you know, because of social media, um, people's thin has to be, or their skin has to be even thicker. Because now they can get, get away directly to you. Right. And I, I didn't know that the Bucks quit uh, Twitter because uh, they are social media icons you right. know as far as their show and everything they've done but um you know every everything comes down wrestling fans are fickle and we all know it we have one we have ones that are loyal and give you the opportunity and then there are the ones who just want they just want to bash people for whatever reason why i, I would never want to be those people i mean because it's just it's 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 ridiculous, but it's part of the business. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it, it, I can only imagine what it would have been like during the Monday Night Wars if social media was oh around. Oh my god! <laughs> I know I know I'd have like four four hundred billion followers <laughs> just because I I was doing I'm the first guy to have a website on in wrestling, first yeah. guy Rich Schmick from Kansas City, buddy of mine. It took he went to. Uh, Halloween Havoc with me. I met him online. We just became good friends, and we're still just talk today. We were talking about when I was looking for that. Uh, him and a guy named Matt Giorgio, whenever I'm looking for something that's going to spark something in me, that's where Motormouth Jackoff Friedman came from. Me, me brainstorming with those guys. But those both of them met on the internet. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of really positive things. Rich met me never knew me before except for talking on the phone um and he went with kimberly when she was doing signing he went with me when i was doing signing and then i brought him downstairs he got pictures with flair and friggin ray mysterio and blah 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 and he wrote a what would be called a blog today it wasn't he was just writing something up and we had you know uh ddpbang.com and put it up there. Next thing you know, we started getting followers. And back then it was emails. And we had 47,000 emails really quickly. And then the site crashed. You know, so right. um, I would have been all over that thing, you know. And, you know, you sometimes it works against you as well, you know, no matter what. Right. So that's just life, though. You got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and real quick, with your match coming up Wednesday, how long in advance did you had you planned this out? Had you known that you'd be wrestling? Um, we really didn't get the details, all the details together. To um, probably, I, th I thought the idea when they first went on TNT. You know, I thought of because again, if you'd have told me <laughs> 19 years ago that DDP would be live on TNT with AEW. Again, resting at Bash at the Beach. <laughs> yeah, now Bash at the Beach, which you know, which Cody would—that was the brainchild of Cody Rhodes, who would sit back there and wait for different names to lapse so he could get them. Um, same thing happened to me. Like WWE at one time owned Diamond Dallas Page. The day they didn't pay for it, I got it back. Wow. I didn't yeah, know that. Huh. I'm sure they're not. I'm sure they're not going to make that mistake again. But I code got a few of them. 
Um, I can't remember the other ones he got, but he got a few of them. And those are like really near and dear to his soul because that's his old man. Right. You know, he created that. So, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, um, being able to do this at the Bash of the Beach, I mean, you notice when I was doing that promo and I said, but look who's back, live and in public, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and I just shot a kiss to the stars because that was for Dusty. You know, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, um, as far as Bash at the Beach, there's a lot of people who care about it. And it was pretty cool how they, for the Memphis, they brought all the boys back, you know, to give them some little time on TV. But the guy who is there, who now is Boogie Woogie Man, at one time was handsome Jimmy Valiant. And I, I don't do this. I'm not doing this today. Without whatever I see him, I get so much love from him. And uh, I just love the guy. He's just... He's a super, super sweet human being. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's all going to be on AEW dark on Tuesday. Uh, encourage fans to check it out. The, the tribute to the Memphis legends. Um, and so, so as far as this match, would you say you, you knew about it kind of for a few weeks or. I had the idea like when I first came over and then just, you know, it wasn't time to do it and just, you know, just waited until, it was time, and, and it's one of the things that I really like about AEW. A lot of stuff isn't hot shot, right? Like it gets this, it gets to marinate and simmer, and you know you got to figure out ways to keep Cody and MJF apart, you know, storyline, yet still keep it going. Uh, it's like kind of what happened with me and Savage when Randy tore his Achilles heel. Okay, now what do we do? That you know. Because two months, you know, a month from now, we're not going to wrestle. It's two months. So how do we keep that build going? Right. You know, and Randy and I and Hulk and Bischoff came up with a bunch of things, you know. Um, so that's, this is a great filler. Plus, you know, I'm, a, um, you know, lo- love to bust his balls on, t- on TV guy. But behind the scenes, I think kid's great talent. You yeah. know, and, uh, you know, my goal is for him, personal, is keep his feet on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep your feet on the ground because, but he loves, loves the people, you know, making them react. Yeah, he loves it. I don't think he has any desire at all to be here, the babyface. I mean, <laughs> zero. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps it on 24-7. He's great. You don't see much of that anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, uh, you're talking about uh, them you know, doing the slow build and stuff. How would you compare that creative process in AEW to you know, other places you work, like WWE or WCW? How has it, how has it been different? Um, I'm not really as you – know, I'm not as into all of that as you – know, seeing much less than you're seeing because I really don't get involved in any of the stuff unless Cody asks my opinion, you know, because there may be filming something at the PC and he'll cut some promo and he'll ask my opinion of it, you know, and sometimes I'll have a little adjustment. Other times I'm like, man, that's freaking live. I think Cody Rhodes is one, one of the best talkers in the business right now. Right. I mean, his, and when you're a baby face, you got to be really powerful and strong be able to keep those people, you know, and uh, especially when you're doing the other hand of it, you're booking it as well, you know. So um, I think that the the biggest difference is uh, 
here's what we need to get in. Go cut yourself a promo where it's kind of spoon fed to you now with all the writers that WWE has. And I don't know, you know, if I had to read what those guys were writing a lot of times and it wasn't coming from my soul. I don't know. I don't, I would say, I don't think I would have gotten over. Right. You know, because they would have had this one vision of what they thought. And I had a whole nother vision. Right. Um, and the vision, vision I had is I'm going to be a top guy. Right. So I, I, I need to start, you know, preparing for that. It needs to be said, like when they did, I was just telling the story the other day, like the reason why I gave Max the ring was WCW had battle bowl rings. And the only three guys that ever had it was Dusty, Sting, and me. But my bat when I, when I won my battle bowl, there was no top guys in it. And this is the main event. You can bet your ass you go back and say who's working with Dusty and Sting that that card was stacked. But that's not how they did it for me. And Barbarian was the top guy. Um, over me at that time. I mean, Ice Train was in it, Rocco Rock, Johnny Grunge, um, Bobby Eaton at the end of his career. Um, if they would have been giving me things to say, moving out of that thing where I want it, they wouldn't have been the things that I would say. Right. What I figured out then is I need to start promoting the Diamond Cutter the hand sign the you know before it was coming out of nowhere it was a diamond cutter mm -hmm. and really even before that started with a ddt because jake literally fell with his opponent he tripped and so it gave the boom instancy of the of the bump and i can't remember who the guy he's working with i thought it was lenny I can't remember his name now but uh, he was booking. He just laid there because he heard the crowd. Whoa. And Jake jumped right up because I didn't trip. I didn't trip. You know, uh, eventually he rolled him over and he beat him. Right. Like he, he, that was called change of finish right now. That got over. Um, so give me the, what were we talking about? I just sidetracked. <laughs> uh, just about, uh, uh, this, the creative process, how promos oh, work. Promos, like like promo. when you were out there, you, they're not giving you a script. Right. In for, for the promo part, again, back in WCW, when I could write everything myself, um, because they didn't think I was going to do anything, you know, <laughs> and even right up to the beginning in 1996. And I think that, 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 uh, uh, battle bowl thing was like, I want to say March or May, something like that. And um, I just started when it, uh, when it was all said and done, there could only be one, which is, you know, right out of uh, Highlander. And it was about them eliminating all the Highlanders through that movie that Michael Hayes comes out in the beginning, you know, with, a, with the rebel flag and dancing like only Michael Hayes could do. But uh, cause it starts in a wrestling arena. Um, 
I started to talk about the diamond cutter as the greatest finishing maneuver in the planet. It started out, and everybody was in the beginning, Flair and Savage and Sting and Luger. If you didn't watch the pay-per-view, you have no idea they weren't in the main event. So again, just promoting it and treating myself like a nightclub. Like when I have a nightclub, I, I, I was responsible for putting the ass in the seats. So now I got to get people to get this. And the sign was pivotal with it. And um, again, it's a little bit different today. I know if you're, you know, John Cena coming in, you're pretty much right in your own shit. You know, but if you're still that guy who, by the way, has just been unbelievable. I got to put him over huge. I mean, he's, he's a top A-lister actor now. Right. I mean, you know, he ain't the rock yet. Because The Rock's the biggest star in the world, but The Rock is helping him left and right because he sees he's got ridiculous work ethic and talent. Um, and I'm really happy for him and Batista, all those guys, you know. Um, anybody who can make that transition, because there's so many should go from wrestling right to acting because they're that good. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, I think it's a little bit easier over there, at especially for someone like Max. Because they, they, you know, what do you want? Okay, and that's your deal. Here's what we want to get over. All right, now go out and do it. And that's where a guy like you know Maxwell is going to really skyrocket. Kind of like him and Jericho. You know, when those two get together and they they did that stuff, that was super fun to watch. Absolutely. And you mentioned Jericho. Uh, you mentioned you know we had talked about it earlier. Jericho one point thought his career might be over. Uh, turned to DDPY. And look at where he's at now. Uh, DDPY has kind of become the go-to program for athletes everywhere. Football, MMA, pro wrestling, obviously. Uh, everyone who's anyone has been. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's yeah, pretty cool. It's, it's amazing how much uh, this has taken off. I've known you for a long time. And just the growth of DDPY has just been amazing. And uh, this year you're bringing back the Positively, positively Unstoppable Challenge. Um, can you let uh, our listeners know and our readers know exactly uh, what they need to do to be a part of that? Um, first of all, you guys sign up, you know, uh, and uh, I believe it's positivelyunstoppable.com. And then we give you all of the things that we expect because you could, let's just say this one's going to be six months. So you can do some real, you can do some real trans transforming in six months. If you're a person who's 400 pounds, your whole life could change. If it's a person who's 40 pounds overweight with a bad back, you know, and you know, you can see that what, what their trials and tribulations are. It's like, we want you talking to the camera. Like, the Vance Hines video went viral last year at this time and just blew our company through the roof, just like Arthur's did. And um, in it, he talked to the camera, like almost like a, a reality show type thing. So, but he was talking to the camera for the people who are um, watching to watch how, how, what do you, this is this huge accomplishment, 475 pounds. Every week he'd weigh himself live. He'd film himself doing the workouts. He took the, the pictures. He would do uh, he, he would do group walks and film all that. That's what made that video so unbelievable. 
but he talked about the mental like today he's running to be a um a judge in his district and he wouldn't even thought that was could happen in a million years two years ago like your life can change in a year dramatically I mean, dramatically. And for the Positively Unstoppable Challenge, it's not just about the weight loss, the shape, um, healing your body. It's the mental work that you do with it. And there's an essay you have to write. Uh, there's work. You know, there's, there's friggin' work. We're not going to give you an opportunity to win a million bucks, you know, because it's still like, it's kind of like that deal or no deal. You got the 100 books up there. The, the minimum, the minimum you will win is 25000 That's if you don't, don't pick the right book. And then we've got prizes right on down for the next 10 people of cash. So I'll never get number one, but you get number five still. That's a nice, that's, that's a nice payoff, you know, for helping myself. And uh, so it's worth your time to go to PositivelyUnstoppable.com, sign up for the contest, and when Christy and her husband, we, we've changed the rules a little bit because I really wanted to pick um, Christy and her husband, Willie, the Radfords, as a unit because they did everything as a tag team. And then Lance, uh, not Lance, um, Chase, who, who won, it was two different winners. Chase won and Christy won. But I wanted to really make it Christy and Willie. So how we're going to structure it this year, you could be a man, you could be a female, you could be a they, whoever that is. I don't care what you're, you know, who, who you want to be. You could be a couple. Now, the couple doesn't have to be a husband and wife. It could be father and daughter. It could be two guys who want to train together. It could be, um, you know, a married female couple or not married. Maybe it's just two girls or, you know, or a girl and a guy that are friends. So all of those categories. And that's, I almost think when you're doing it with somebody, you've got a real advantage because if that person has a, a lot to, to transform and you do, and then you got the other guy who's by himself and you film all the same stuff that's there and that other person doesn't, well, you're going to win and your, your transformation could, could be greater. So that, that's where we came up with it this year because I wanted the, both the Radford because they were both qualified because he, Willie lost like a hundred pounds and she got shredded, you know, like she lost 45 pounds or something. And right. those stories are about to come out. But so, you know, using the positively unstoppable million dollar challenge, that's what gives you the real focus. Um, because if you look at Arthur, Vance, Stacy, uh, Terry, they all have documentation early on. Because at some point you start looking at yourself and maybe you're not losing as much weight and you're thinking, oh, this isn't really working. Go back to what you did at day one. And then show where you are four months now. You're like, oh, my God, I really have changed my life. And it's not just physically, it's mentally, because the mental part is everything. When I first talked to Arthur Borman, uh, the disabled veteran that I helped, who's really was the phenom that he's the guy who helped sent Jericho his video. Chris said, I'm in. 
what do I have to do? You know, it was like, there was no, no questions. Jake, I mean, so many people saw Arthur's video and that's what finally moved them to like, if he could do it, surely I can do it. You know, so, um, this, this year having 10 cash winners so that we know that they can still compete for number nine or number eight or number six or, you know, if they don't think it'd be number one, you know, because that person's going to put the most work in. But all those people I just mentioned from Arthur to, to Vance to Stacy to Terry, they all documented everything. So it makes it so much easier to win, not the contest, win in your brain that look what I'm doing right now. Like I'm changing, I'm not just changing my life, I'm owning my life. And everybody, we, we, you know, if people get the um, posit- Positively Unstoppable book, uh, The Art of Owning It, there's just so much stuff in there that will keep you your brain dialed in to the program. And that's what's going to make you feel better, <laughs> you know, and and maybe cause an amazing change in your life. Well, if you haven't already, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, check it out, uh, DDPY, and uh, sign up for the positive, Positively, why is it so hard for me to say today? Uh, uh, positively uh, Unstoppable Challenge 2020. Uh, Dallas, it's great as always talking to you. Uh, I really appreciate it. Do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Yeah, not really. Not really. I always tell people, you know, that the contest right now is the biggest thing that we're working on. And, um, you know, just sign up because you never know, you know, <laughs> you never know what, what what could really start to motivate you and do all the pictures, do all the videos, do it all. Because if you, you start out like that and you, and you put the work in, it's going to change your life no matter what. And anytime that we can help to change someone's life for the better. That's super karma. Now, I use up all my karma driving. Not where I'm cutting people off and stuff. I just drive like a wild man. Uh, and I use up all my positive karma there. <laughs> um, but I need I, that's I need more karma like that so nothing happens to me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I'm excited about this year and what 2020 is going to be. It's been the most growth spurt we've had ever uh, on uh with our program right now. So, uh, you know, I know it's changed a lot of people's lives, man. So go to ddpy.com and you'll see it all. Check it out and check out Diamond Dallas Page returning to the ring this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite on TNT, teaming with Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall. They'll be facing MJF, The Butcher, and The Blade. Dallas, thanks as always. Hey, brother, it's been your pleasure. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Trying to breathe, but I'm okay. Who's our first question? I think, again, today, Impact, view as the forefront, has proven that their women's division is the best women's division in professional wrestling. Thank you. Coming off of a really important day, I think, for uh, for all of wrestling, um, how does this victory feel? Oh, I mean, it's, uh, last year I was completely undefeated in pay-per-views through the entire year and here I am starting 2020 in the first pay-per-view hard to kill with another victory over two extremely well-rounded women but they ain't me and uh high games to play and I told you guys that uh, yesterday in the press conference and I think I proved that again tonight and that's why I'm the greatest knockout of all time the 2019 knockout of the year and your longest reigning champion in impact history uh Tessa Nick Houseman, Wrestling Inc. 
uh, as the definitive face of the knockouts division, how do you feel about the Tessa Blanchard drama that came up and her entering the main event tonight to go for a world title? The only thing that, Ma that uh, I have to say about Tessa Blanchard is if she wins tonight, I'm the number one compare, the number one person in line to take her on. And I think I proved that again tonight, that I'm the number one woman in this company. That's the only thing I will touch on with Tessa Blanchard, because right now she's got something in her mind. I did what I came to do. If she comes to do what she says she's going to do, then it'll be me and her championship versus championship. Cool. Thank you. Cool. If not her, then who's next? I mean, it's 2020, so I could take on anybody. Give me any member of OVE. Give me, I don't care, give me Brian Cage. Give me, you know, anybody, honestly, in our, in our locker room, on our roster, because we are the best at what we do. We are the best in the world. And now you guys are seeing it again tonight, and we're starting off the year strong with this pay-per-view. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show today to talk all the news of the past five days. Uh, we will be back here uh, next. Uh, we will be back here tomorrow uh, with even more weekly content for you. Oh, I also want to say, by the way, thank you, DDP and Raj. Thank you, Ty Valkyrie and Impact Wrestling. Uh, really great interviews all around. Both of those were wonderful here today. Uh, we're going to do some DDP yoga now. Thank you, Raj. Yeah, DDP, I'm pumped. Pop my hip out of place. Um, <laughs> We will uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another Winkly. Uh, I'll be joined by Justin Labar to talk the news of the past 24 hours. Uh, we will also finally, I'm airing it finally tomorrow, my interview with Jake the Snake Roberts. I've been kind of sitting on it, waiting for the right time. Uh, with AEW being tomorrow night, we talked about AEW. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do this one tomorrow. So DDP today, Jake Roberts tomorrow. And uh, this interview with Jake is uh, very special because it was uh, recorded about six hours to midnight on uh, December 31st. Uh, just before uh, the decade had concluded, and a uh, moment of reflection there from Jake Roberts about what the past 10 years looked like for him uh, as we were about to ring in the new decade. And uh, pretty powerful, man, when you when you think about what Jake Roberts went through in the 2010s, you know? Yeah, really a transformational story. Of course, the great documentary about him. So I'm, I'm just glad that we can have the conversation about his transformation here in mm -hmm. 2020 because it's, it's an amazing story. Yeah, he's a butterfly now. He's emerged from his cocoon with all of his beautiful <laughs> colors. I'm sure he would really love that description. <laughs> um, so, uh, and not just Jake Roberts, somebody who's also a, a gritty, uh, tough guy here. He just uh, faced uh, Tessa Blanchard at Hard to Kill. Uh, we're going to play you the pre-Hard to Kill presser with Sammy Callahan tomorrow where he talks uh, all about his match with Tessa and everything else in between. So we will get to that here uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, Michael, anything you want to plug for put over here before we wrap it up today? I will be back Friday night handling the Twitter for Wrestling Inc. while SmackDown is live. And then, of course, joined by, um, you know, all the the whole company. I think Raj might be joining us this week for the post-game show um, after SmackDown. So tune in for that. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter. I'm at The Real Wiseman. I just wrote an article this weekend, got it up, um, about, you know, uh, what Wrestle Kingdom 14 was a great show. But WWE is putting on a great show here in a couple of months. So what lessons could WWE learn from the way the Wrestle Kingdom 14 was handled by New Japan Pro Wrestling? So check that out. I love it. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. That's W-I-N-C Rebel. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.